I want to minister for a little while this morning through a message I'm calling Heart of the Father. And what I want you to see through the message today is this. The heart of the Father is that we would hear and know His voice. When you know the voice of the Father, I'm telling you it will save you a lot of time, it will save you a lot of headache. It will save you from making bad decisions because all we have to do is know His voice, know His heart. And it brings such joy to us when we hear something from the Father. The most eloquent minister in the world cannot compare to just one little thing that Daddy says to you. We treasure that even more so. So often... We miss the heart of the Father and we miss the heart of grace because we yield to not sin. Sin has been defeated at the cross for the believer. But we miss the heart of the Father because we yield to competing voices and ideologies. And I'll explain that in just a moment. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment that you were born deaf. Totally deaf. You have lived your world in absolute silence. You have not even so much as heard the chirp of one cricket. Now imagine for a moment there are three television screens in front of you, and the first one has an ambulance on a 911 call. He is responding. The lights are going. The siren is glaring. Oh, but not for you. You live in a world of silence. On that second television there's a male lion overlooking a field, all robust in his nature. He understands, I am the king of the jungle. And he lets out an intimidating roar to let all the animals around him know, I'm here, I have a presence. <laughs> but not for you. You live in silence. And then I want you to imagine one more screen, and it's got a little bitty swing on it. And in that swing is a little canary. Oh, he's just swinging back and forth. He's having a good old time. His little beak is just a-going. It's like a singing canary. But not for you, because you live in silence. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take those screens, and I want you to freeze-frame them. Just stop them for a moment. Now, imagine... Jesus did a creative work in your eardrums, and now suddenly, for the first time, you can hear. Oh, it's a brand new world! And then I reach down, and I push the play button on a CD player, and the first sound you hear is that of a siren of an ambulance. And I look at you, and I say, now, which one of those pictures does that sound go with? You look at those pictures, and you think, the canary? You chuckle inside your heart. I play the sound of the lion roaring. And I say, now which picture does that one go with? And you say, well, that one I would say is the ambulance. And finally, I play the sound of a canary. And the only things left is the lion. So you say, well, that must be the lion. Well, congratulations, you have gotten three out of three wrong. But be real with yourself. How in the world would you know? If you would have gotten any of those things right, it would have only been simply by guessing. That's the only way you could know that, for sure. You say, what is my point? My point is this. One of the most systemic challenges that the body of Christ struggles with is hearing and distinguishing the voice of Papa. Now you say, how do you know that? Because I minister to people all week long, and I've been doing it for a lot of years. When faced with a crisis or faced with a major decision, I often say to them, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And their answers are invariably the same. Their answers are something like this. I don't know. I can't hear him. He's not talking to me. Hearing the voice of Daddy is essential and it's exciting. Very exciting. But not only hearing his voice, but also in hearing the heart 
of the Father. See, you can hear somebody's voice and not know their heart. But you can't learn somebody's heart and forget that voice. You can't do it. Listen, my mama's been gone for 14 years. If you put a thousand women in a room and I turned my back and each one of them said the same thing, Mark, it's mama. <laughs> I tell you what, I don't care where you put my mama along that string. When I heard my mama's voice, I'd go, that's my mama. Because I know my mama's heart for me. My mama loved me like nobody else loved me. When I was unlovable, my mama loved me. And daddy does the same thing. But they have a hard time hearing the father's heart. And I believe it drives people wild. It hurts them. A relationship without meaningful communication is exhausting. And it is about as shallow as a mud puddle. I honestly believe that religion is one of the main reasons that people walk away from God or they walk away from the institution called the church. They get tired of one-way communication, always praying, always talking to God, but they say, but I don't ever hear him answer my prayer. I don't ever hear him talk to me. That's one-way communication. And they finally get tired of that. They get tired of rules without relationship. They get tired of commandments without connection. They get tired of legalism without love. And they get tired of hands without heart. Always working for their identity. Always working to prove something. Putting their hands in everything they can. But their heart's not really in it. Because they're not hearing the heart of the Father. Here's what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me. Falling in love with the Father, and I love Him so much, begins with hearing the heart of the Father. Falling in love with the Father, falling in love with Jesus, begins by hearing the Father's heart. Now, the word heart has five letters, H-E-A-R-T, H-E-A-R-T, there it is. <laughs> and when you look at that word from left to right, the first word that you can make with that word heart is the word he. You see it? <laughs> he. The second word you can make with the word heart is here. <laughs> and the third word you can make with it is the very word itself. It is heart. Put together those three words, unveil the essence of of our relationship with the Father, He hears heart. He hears the heart of the Father. He hears the heart of Papa speaking. Friends, I don't have enough energy to come to Kenosha. I don't have enough energy to get up in the morning. I don't have enough energy to preach the Word of God apart from hearing Papa's heart. But when I hear Papa's heart, there is an energy that is released inside of me I could preach on for two and a half hours. Discovering the joy of our Christian life begins with hearing the heart of the Father. Now listen to me carefully. There are no substitutes for hearing the heart of the Father. There are no substitutes. He speaks primarily through His Word, just so you know. I'm not talking about audible voices. Probably most Christians will say, I went my entire life and I never heard the audible voice of God. I've heard the audible voice of God three or four times in my Christian walk, echoing in my spirit. It was just as real as if he said it in my ears here. I heard it in my spirit. Actually, more times than that. But there's nothing that replaces that. There is no substitute. So the question is, what is the Word? When you read the Word, when you study the Word, when you meditate upon the Word, what is the Word saying to you? Moreover, is what you're hearing through His Word in harmony with the new covenant of grace? That's more important. Is what you're hearing, is it in harmony? Does it ring true with the new covenant of grace? If not, listen to me, then it's not from Papa. It is not from Papa. I was thinking about Job. Job lost more than we'll probably all lose combined together. One day he lost all ten of his children, seven boys and three girls, to death. On the heels of that, Job lost 11,500 pieces of livestock. That was everything he owned. Just like that when Satan came down. He lost his servants. He lost all kinds of things. And then eventually he lost his health. He was stricken with boils by Satan, by the enemy. And if you've ever had a pimple or a boil, they're just irritating. I get it. 
But can you imagine boils over every square inch of your body? The Bible says he would grab a piece of broken pottery just to scrape to try to find some relief. And as he sat there day after day, some friends in a distant land heard about Job. And these were friends who cared about Job. These were his buddies. And when they came and they saw Job from a distance, they knew this is serious stuff. And the Bible says they sat down with Job and for seven days and seven nights, they never spoke a word. They sat down next to him. They didn't eat anything for seven days and seven nights and they comforted Job. They came to comfort Job. They cared about Job. But because their hearts were full of mixture, this is why I'm so adamant about grace and not bringing in the law. If you bring in the law, you bring in mixture. And because these guys were so full of mixture, they began to say, well, you must have done something, Job, to bring this on you. Satan is the one who did it to Job. Job did nothing. The Bible declared him the most righteous man on earth at the time, righteous in all of his ways. Well, you must have done something. So they began to heap guilt on him and shame on him and condemnation and fear. Even his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Job's own wife said that to him. His friends had not heard from the heart of the Father, or they couldn't have said some of the things they said. They misrepresented Daddy's heart. In fact, the Bible says that God, later in the chapter, told Job's friends that they were miserable comforters. God said that. You know what? Come here. He called one of them. He said, you're just a miserable comforter. Now, why would he say something like that? Mixture. It wasn't that God was saying, every single thing you said there is not my heart. But when you start bringing in things that condemn my servant here, when you start bringing in things that put guilt and shame on him and put fear in his heart, you are a miserable comforter is what he said. Mixture does not bring comfort. The father will always speak to his children through the new covenant of grace. Why? <laughs> Why? Because the old covenant, all 613 Jewish laws, including the Ten Commandments, all of those laws have been made obsolete. In other words, we don't come to Christ based on any one of those 613 Jewish laws, and we don't remain in Christ because of those 613 Jewish laws. They've been made obsolete. The letters that the old covenant were constructed of fell like Jenga blocks to the ground 2,000 years ago when Christ died on the cross. The old covenant has been dismantled and it has been removed. It has been taken away for the believer. What am I getting at? What I'm getting at is the whole Bible is good. The law is good. It's not what the believer lives under, but the law is good and righteous and perfect, the Bible says. But when it hands us off to Christ, it is supposed to lose its voice because now we have the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We don't need a set of Ten Commandments to speak to us. We have the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Let me ask you a question. Does the Father desire? Is it His will? Is it His desire? Is it His treasure for us to be able to hear His voice? The answer without equivocation is yes. He wants us to hear His voice. Absolutely. In fact, the Word says it's not God's will that any man should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Daddy wants to see everybody saved. So now let me ask you if this makes any sense to you, that daddy wants to save you, daddy wants to come and live in your heart, but then he wants to stop talking to you. Does that make any sense at all? After all he went through to make this happen, he said, I'll come and live in your house, your temple. Oh, but I'm not going to talk to you. No, that makes no sense at all. It doesn't. I want you to imagine with me for a moment a young man. See, daddy talks to me in pictures, okay? A young man who walks into a cafe, he is famished. He is hungry. He is ready to eat. He sits down at a table, a booth, and he grabs the menu and he starts looking through that menu. And you've seen the menus. The pictures look better than the food itself when it comes. I mean, I don't know how they do that because they have to take a picture of that, the stuff they cook you, but the picture looks better. It's hard for him to make a decision what he wants. And all of a sudden, out of the side, walks the waitress up to him. He can barely take his eyes off the menu. 
But when he looks up and sees that little beauty queen standing in front of him, he can barely take his eyes off her now. Suddenly he's no longer hungry because his heart fell like Jenga blocks right into his stomach as he stares at this pretty woman. You see, that is what Solomon was getting at when he penned the book called Song of Songs. That book is about relationship. That book is about listening to each other's heart. It's an allegory. It's about Christ pursuing the bride and the bride pursuing her husband with great treasures. Each of them meditating on the words that they last spoke to each other. I tell you what, it will do us good to sometimes go back, not always necessarily be looking for a fresh word. Daddy, what are you saying today? Yes, I get that. But being mindful of some of the things that the Father has said in the past. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is Christ talking to the bride. This is Solomon talking to the beloved, the one he's chasing. He said, you have stolen my heart. My sister, my bride, you have stolen my heart. Look how she did it. (laughs) With one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace, how delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. Now listen to me, the Father's heart does not always use words. Daddy will use anything and everything to speak to you. He's not limited to just words. And that's what happens here. He communicates his love and his grace many different ways. The waitress asks the young man, what can I get you today? And in that man's heart of heart, he quietly says, what did you have in mind? Oh, he didn't say it with his mouth. But that's what's in his heart. That young man is captivated by her beauty and innocence. Papa, that's the way it was with you and Mama. He has taken back by her beauty and her innocence. And over the weeks to come, he does everything imaginable to win that young girl's heart. He tunes out every screaming siren. He turns out every roaring lion and every singing canary to listen for her heart. I'm telling you, folks, sometimes I think we have too many things competing for Papa's voice. Listen, I don't want to be legalistic with you, but sometimes you just have to shut off some of these other voices and listen for the Papa's heart because nothing will satisfy And this man, as the Lord was crafting this picture in my heart, I said, Daddy, I get it. He is fixated on hearing and knowing her heart. Will she feel the same way about him as he does about her? He will wine her and he will dine her and he'll put a ring on her finger to shine her. Finally, he is victorious. He wins the girl. Now, after all the investment, after all the relentless pursuit to win that young girl's heart, wouldn't you think it would be mindless now that you have won her heart to consider, do I ever talk to her again? It just doesn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense. And think about what Christ went through. Think about what Papa went through to win our hearts. And why wouldn't he want to keep talking to us? He wants to talk. He's a chatterbox, my wife always says. When I think about Jesus' first miracle, it was the miracle that he turned water into wine. Oh, but that's not his greatest miracle. The greatest miracle Jesus ever did is he turned sinner into saint. It's not just water to wine. It's sinner to saint. That's the greatest miracle. How did this happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Look at that. Jesus said these words. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He said, If any man will hear my voice. Do you see those three words? Hear my voice. (laughs) Not the knock, my voice. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door, he said, I will come in to your cafe. I'll dine with you, but I'm going to stay forever. 
you can't kick me out when the restaurant closes. I'm going to stay forever in your heart. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. I think that's one thing we have in common today. We heard the knock. I'm not saying every time someone knocks on your door to answer it. There's just times where it's prudent not to answer it. But when you hear that voice, and you know what's Papa, your ears have been trained, your heart has been trained to know Jesus' voice, it's safe. Friends, let me remind you of something. The father walked his bride down a rose petal aisle to meet a man and introduce us to a man that loves to talk to his wife. A man that always speaks grace and favor over his altogether lovely one. Daddy put his bride in the arms of his son Jesus. It was at that wedding ceremony that Jesus slipped the ring of oneness around our hearts. There, it was there, it was then that we received the ability to hear the heart of the Father. It was there that our water was turned to wine. It was there that the door was opened to dine. It was there that we passed from sinner to saint. And friends, it was there again that Jesus put a ring on our fingers. He put a ring on our heart and said, I want you to shine out of darkness. I'm going to live on the inside of you and I'm going to make you so bright you're going to shine in the darkness. You say, Pastor Mark, be honest now. I don't think I hear the Father very well. Some people will say that. A lot of people will say, they're just being honest. Come on, be honest. I don't think I hear the Father very well. Is there something wrong? <laughs> They'll say, is there something wrong with me? There are culprits that hinder the new creation in Christ from hearing the heart of the Father. My wife loves to watch the show called The Voice. And I like it too. But the ultimate goal of every singer that comes on the voice is to become the voice. That is every one of them's goal. They don't want second place, you're not called the voice in second place. They don't want third place, they want to be called the voice. These are competing contestants in an effort to win that position. And so it is with the world we live in. There are competing voices. I'm talking about the incessant and relentless chirp of the cricket called guilt and shame. I don't know why believers tolerate that, guilt and shame. I mean, would you tolerate a cricket in your bedroom? You'd tear up half of your bedroom looking for that thing, wouldn't you? And when that cricket begins to chirp into your heart and say, you're guilty, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, I'm telling you, that is a cricket in the bedroom. I'm talking about the competing voice through the roar of fear and trepidation. That is one of the enemy's greatest weapons is to use fear on us. Why? Because fear either makes us run from everything or it makes us freeze. Those are the two extremes. It will make you just lock up or it will make you, it's called fight or flight. Sometimes it will make you fight, I suppose. You know when grace is working in your heart, when suddenly the things that you know you used to be afraid of, you no longer have that fear anymore. You know Grace is working in your heart. And I see glimpses of that all the time. I see, Daddy, I say, wow, I used to be fearful of that. I used to be afraid of that. That used to intimidate me. I had trepidation about that before. But Daddy, I don't feel that way anymore. How can I explain that? Because I'm hearing the heart of the Father, and the heart of the Father says, Son, you're my son. You're forever my son. You can rest in Jesus Christ. You can rest in him. Competing voices that come by the disturbing siren and lights of religion and the law and ultimately condemnation. That's all they are. I don't know. Listen, man, I can fall asleep anywhere. When I'm ready to go to sleep, my average time is less than 30 seconds. I've been that way all my life. I know it makes some of you mad probably. But less than 30 seconds, I'm out. When I first got married to Valerie, we weren't very deep into that marriage. I asked her a question as she was getting ready for bed, and I was already in bed. I fell asleep before she answered it. She told me the next morning, honey, if we want to talk when we go to bed, let's talk. But don't ask me a question and fall asleep before I answer it. 
but I've always been that way. I know what rest is like, but ultimately when all these issues of life begin to disturb you, you can't find rest. Imagine now trying to rest in a room where flashing lights are going on, like an ambulance, and then a siren is sounding. I honestly think I could probably fall asleep in that. I do. I really do. Because I'm just at peace. I'm talking about competing voices that rob us of rest. Competing voices that jerk us out of stillness. Listen, can you imagine Brother Gary watching television and you've invited me over to your house and it's your favorite show and I decide I'm going to use the vacuum cleaner while you're watching that show. And I'm just running that vacuum cleaner in front of you. Not only am I in your way visually, but now suddenly you're competing with the voice of Mr. Hoover trying to hear what's going on here on your show. That's what's happening with us. There are all these different voices. What do they show up in? They show up in the form of, you just heard me, guilt and shame, fear and condemnation. Those all have voices. And when those voices leave, you know what you'll find? You'll find you are so at rest. It's a lot easier to hear Papa when you're at rest than when you're all worked up. A lot easier. I've lived both dimensions. I know it's a lot easier. The earth is pretty good size, isn't it? But did you know that you can fit... 1,300,000 earths inside of our sun. (laughs) The sun is much larger than the earth. Now let me ask you a question. What are you made out of? (laughs) You're made out of earth. The Bible says God formed Adam from the dust of the ground. You are made out of the earth. And one of the tactics of the enemy is to try to tell us how small we are. How insignificant we are how helpless we are, how hopeless we are. You just got to remind them that my father is the one who made the dirt. And my father is the one who made me. I am created in the image of my father. I don't care what you look at. Every single thing in this room, those cars, every piece of that car came right out of the ground. Where else would it come from? That's how rich the soil is that daddy made you out of that you can make glass and rubber and plastic and metal to drive your car and every ounce of that came out of the ground. Listen, don't fall for that from the enemy. The next time he knocks on your door like that and says, God's not going to talk to you. Why would God waste his time talking to you? How about you say, how about because I'm his son? Is that a good enough reason? Is that a good enough reason? How about because I'm the bride of Christ? That's a good reason too. For Papa to want to talk to me. Remember, he doesn't come and check in and then put a muzzle on. He keeps talking to his bride. He tells her how beautiful she is, how adorable she is, and how she has stolen his heart. (laughs) You beautiful thing. One glance of your eye and one jewel from your necklace. You have stolen my heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm not the same person I was. I'm not small in my own eyes. I'm large in Christ. Listen, that is not arrogance. That is saying what he says. I'm large in Christ. Jesus' hope is my hope. Jesus' daddy is my daddy. Jesus' faith is my faith. Jesus' grace is my grace. Jesus' voice is my voice. Jesus' heart is my heart. Therefore, if my heart is Jesus' heart and his heart is my heart, that means I can hear the heart of the Father because Jesus always heard the heart of the Father. In fact, that first miracle I was telling you about water into wine, Jesus heard the heart of the Father. He would have never done it. His mother begged him. He told her no. But then he walked away. And I know the father said, son, your ministry is starting right today. And he said, well, fill the water pots then. Let's just get this on the road. He always was listening for the heart of the father. Man, if you moved in a house and it came in the basement with some old safe that had been down there for years, and they told you, well, we think something's in there, but we lost the combination. We don't know how to get in there. Man, you can get out cutting torches, settling torches. You can try to get in there different ways. But you know what? Safes are made so people can't get in. So you've got a big project on your hand. How about if you just pause for just a moment and say, Daddy, 
If there's really something in that safe I need to see or I need to have, can I just have the combination? And then just listen for the heart of the Father. Doesn't that make more sense? We create so much work by not listening to the heart of the Father. We do. Psalm chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. I love these next words. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, that is the Gentile, and I will be exalted in the earth. The Bible says he makes wars cease. When we're talking about wars, we've got to think beyond guns and cannons. Because there's emotional wars that are going on right now. Guilt is an emotional war. Shame is an emotional war. Fear is an emotional war. Condemnation is an emotional war. And the Bible says, He makes wars cease. And then He uses those words, Be still. What is He saying? I want to quiet these competing voices. How? By being still and resting in the heart of the Father. When you read Psalm 46, it speaks of conflict and it speaks of war. It speaks of fear and trouble. It speaks of desolation and chaos, competing voices. But Psalm 46, I love it, also showcases the heart of the Father by reminding us that God is our refuge and strength. The Bible says he's a very present help in trouble. The same psalm that was talking about all the chaos that was going on, all the war that was going on. He says, but God, God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our very present help in trouble. And because of that, I can be still and know that he is God. Bows, spears, and shields are weapons. And whether they are offensive or defensive weapons, it doesn't matter. Whether they're in your hands or in the enemy's hands, it doesn't matter. These are carnal, natural weapons. The principle I really want to showcase here is that our trust is not in the natural. Our trust is not in carnal weapons. Our trust is in hearing the heart of the Father. And the Father says, be still and know I am God. Be still and know I got this. I got this. Now, you and I have a choice to make when competing voices arise. It's not a matter if, it's a matter when. When those competing voices arise, we have a choice that we can make. We can listen to the voice of war and conflict and fear and trouble and desolation and chaos or we can tune our hearts to the frequency that the Father's heart is on. The heart of the Father, listen to me, is Jesus. The heart of the Father is grace. The heart of the Father is the one that declared, be still and know that I am God, a very present help in trouble. I love this because when he says, be still, we think this just means don't move. He didn't say don't move. He says, be still. What's the difference? Be still is the word rafa, rafa. Now, the primitive root for the English word still is the Hebrew word rafa. In other words, when I say the primitive root, that means its origin. In other words, where does this word come from? What is its deepest root? Where does it come from? It comes from rafa. Does it sound a little familiar? Yehovah rafa? When he says be still, he's saying be Rafa. Be Rafa. Rafa means our healer. I love this. Here's how Rafa translates. To mend by stitching. To cure. To heal. Thoroughly make whole. That is the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is not to leave you lame and maimed. The heart of the Father is to make you whole. Now we're talking about on a spiritual level here, but it works in the natural and the physical as well, especially the emotional realm, in our soul man. 
He said, this is my heart for you. There's something in your soul that's stuck, that drives you to feel a certain way, to take on all this guilt, fear, shame, and condemnation. He said, but Rafa comes when we are still. What are we doing when we're still in ourselves? We are knowing who God is. We are knowing his heart. His heart is for us. He wants to communicate to us. And he wants to tell us, I'm a very present help in time of trouble. In other words, our healing is found in not only Jesus, but it comes, the emotional healing comes when we still ourselves, when we become at rest. That's why we have to sleep. When you sleep, there's a healing process that's going on. If you stayed up 24-7, eventually it would just kill you, take your life. It would be impossible. You have to rest. That's where your body is healing. And the more rest you get, the more it heals. When one quiets their heart in the truth that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, then the competing voices of war, trouble, desolation, chaos, guilt, shame, fear, and condemnation cease. I didn't say they weren't present, (laughs) but his ever-present help is more powerful than anything else that's going on. I've said this before, but in our home, it's probably 60, 65 feet from one end of it to the other. And Valerie's down in that bathroom. I'm way up here. We're getting ready in the morning. And if I have music playing, I hear mine just fine. I can't hear hers. But the more I start walking toward her, mine gets drowned out. All I can hear is her. Whatever you walk toward, whatever you approach and come near to, that's what you hear. If you meditate on guilt, fear, shame, and condemnation, then that voice will hijack your heart. But if you meditate upon the goodness of the Father, you meditate upon the grace of the Father, you meditate upon listening to His heart, I'm telling you, all that other stuff will be like leaving it on the other end of the house. I know this. I live this. I'm not asking anybody to do anything. I don't know and I don't experience. I don't live. Our Father breaks the bow and shatters the spears. He burns the shields with fire. In other words... He takes away our trust in carnal weapons. Carnal weapons fail us, but the Father never fails us. Our winning attitude comes from knowing God's got this. No matter what we face, maybe it's a road you've never walked down before. God's got this. Believe Him. He's that good. Friends, hearing the heart of the Father has its origin in knowing the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is grace. The heart of the Father is Jesus. Grace is a healing balm to your soul. Your soul is connected to your physical realm, and I think the whole man gets whole. I believe it's the spirit man, then the soul, and then the physical man, but it's all connected. One does follow the other. And that is the power of letting God's Word trump all these other voices that are trying to speak to us. I like the song we do it once in a while called Still by Hillsong. The lyrics say, find rest, my soul. It's built upon this Psalm 46. Find rest, my soul, in Christ alone. Know his power in quietness and trust. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with him above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood, and I will be still and know you are God. He reached right in Psalm 46 and made millions of dollars. And there it was, that powerful truth. Rapha, be still! Because in the stillness of hearing his voice, in the stillness of knowing God's got this, in the still of knowing that God is powerful and he's king, those problems fall off of us. They do, absolutely. The heart of the Father, according to Rapha, is to mend us by stitching. Now let me ask you a question. What is the purpose? Everybody in here has probably had stitches before. What is the purpose of stitching? It's to close up wounds, friend. You just don't pick a random spot on a body and go, let's just put some stitches right there. No! Stitches are to close up wounds. Anybody ever had stitches in here? Everybody, just about probably. I'm surprised. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You ain't done enough dishes if you ain't had stitches, man. I'm telling you, man. My mama had me hit the kitchen sink, man. And I didn't know anybody. I got a pretty good-sized hand. Stick that old big hand down in the glass enough times and 
There you go, in these ditches. The purpose of it is to close up the wound. Why? So that we can heal. What wounds am I talking about? I'm talking about the wound that religion voiced into our hearts that told us that daddy's love is conditional. Head is a wound and it cuts a man deep in his heart. I'm talking about the wound that religion voiced into our heart that said we had to perform to please the Father. That is a deep wound. I'm talking about the wound that religion sowed into our hearts that said when we sin, we become dirty and distant from the Father. That is a lie. That is a lie. And there are people under my voice that believe that. There are people that believe if I make a mistake, I become distant from the Father. I become dirty. No, you don't. You're as pure as the driven snow. I'm talking about the wound that religion has sown into our hearts that says, well, <laughs> you know, you're right about grace unless or grace until they draw some sort of line that says, yeah, God's got grace up to right there. But if you get on the right side of that line, you're no longer under grace. No, friends, the Bible says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I'm not an advocate for sinning because sin will wreck you. It will. It'll get you fired. It'll get you divorced. It'll make your kids mad at you. It'll put you in the penitentiary. I'm not for sin. But I'm telling you what, if any of those things happen, Jesus will be right with you. The cafe never closes, friend. He is always there, whining and dining with you, not only turning water into wine, but turning sinner into saint with His glorious power. I'm talking about the wound that religion voiced into our hearts that told us that it's law plus grace. No, friends. Remember Hebrews 8.13, the Bible says that the law, the old covenant was made obsolete with the cross. Now listen, one of my challenges today would be to say, listen, find out what the Old Covenant means. What does that mean? Are we talking about the Old Testament? No, we're not talking about the Old Testament. The Old Covenant was in the Old Testament, but the Old Covenant was in the New Testament too. Until Jesus was crucified, it's all Old Covenant. From Moses to the cross is Old Covenant. And so guess what? <laughs> that is not your covenant. Why? Because Jesus made that covenant obsolete with His blood. It's not Moses plus Christ, it's Christ alone. That's all it is. The heart of the Father has always been to seek and save the lost. The heart of the Father has always been to put His arms around prodigal sons and daughters with hugs and kisses. The heart of the Father has always been to provide for the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. The heart of the Father has always been to leave the 99 in search of the one that has strayed. The heart of the Father has always been to make the old covenant obsolete and usher in the new covenant of grace. The heart of the Father is that we would know His heart. That we would know His voice. And if we're not hearing it, that doesn't mean we're not saved. Don't let condemnation get on you. That just means competing voices are speaking to you. We need to allow the new covenant of grace to speak to us and draw us out of that. How did the Father do everything He's done? Well, friends, He did it without your help. And I love that because that means I can't tear it up. It's kind of like a 1935 Tonka toy truck for a little boy. He can play with it for 18 years and when he leaves home, it's still got his wheels on it. Indestructible. That's what He gave us. He gave us an indestructible life in Christ. And I was telling somebody that the other day, and I'm so happy that he did that because, Brother Gary, I would have found a way to have torn it up by now. And so would you. We would have found ways to have torn up that life he gave us. But he gave us the gift of eternal life, not conditional life, not temporary life, eternal life. How can you have eternal until? That's an oxymoron. It's eternal life. And that's what he put on the inside of us. You call it whatever you want. Everlasting life, eternal life, life forevermore. It's eternal life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. I've come to give you everlasting life. So, I mean, right away, that 3,000 pound gorilla gets off your back by saying, wait a minute, I can't tear up my life in Christ. I can tear it up in this world I walk in, but I can't tear it up in Christ. Why? Because he never leaves me. He's always there. But because of that, I want to know his voice. I want to know Papa's heart. 
shut off those competing voices that vie for that precious heart of the new creation. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17, we find these words. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, that's Adam, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? We reign in life through one man. What's his name? His name is Jesus Christ. That's the heart of the Father. <laughs> we would reign in life through his Son. Not only do we reign in life through one man, but we reign in life through one sacrifice. Look at the next scripture. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, my closing scripture. It says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The moment you come to Christ, you're made holy. How do I know that? Because in Hebrews chapter 10, it also says we were made holy by his blood. <laughs> I've had a blood transfusion. I've got Christ's blood on the inside of me. It's the purest, richest blood there is. By one sacrifice. I don't need to die daily. I've already died in Christ. He doesn't need to die again. He died once for all, the Bible says. It's one man, one sacrifice. We reign in life through one sacrifice, Jesus Christ. That's the heart of the Father. Friends, the wonderful truths that reach out to us from the message today are these. We have stolen the Father's heart. I love it. Our Father has unstopped the ears of our heart so that we would no longer be deaf to the Father's voice. We hear the heart of the Father better than we know. People say, I don't hear the voice of God. Oh, you hear it better than you know. You do. It wasn't the knock itself that motivated us to open the door, but rather the voice of the knocker. One man, Jesus Christ. Our Father's voice and our Father's heart are heard through His Word and through the message of grace. There are no substitutes. We have laid aside our menu of choices in exchange for his heart. We hear Papa say, what can I get you today? And our response is, what did you have in mind? He says, well, I own it all. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And by the way, I own the hills too. In fact, all the gold and silver are mine. Son, think largely. Look how big I am. Listen, if 1,300,000 earths fit inside our sun hanging out there in the solar system, how much fits inside the Son of God? He's eternal. He's without measure. <laughs> and we're inside the Son of God. He's inside of us. Kind of a hard concept to understand. It's like dropping a glass into the ocean and asking yourself, is that glass in the ocean? Oh, yeah. Is that ocean in that glass? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Just that simple. Daddy has walked the bride of Christ down the rose petal aisle to meet a man who loves to communicate with his bride. A man that always speaks grace and favor over his lovely girl. A man that reminds his bride of what the eternal marriage covenant looks like. Listen to me. He reminds us all the time of what the eternal marriage covenant looks like. You want to know what it is, brother? One man, one bride, and one sacrifice. That's what an eternal marriage looks like. One man, one bride, one sacrifice. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> he lives in my heart, brother Jesse. I love it. The old covenant had a voice at one time, but the cross rendered that voice obsolete. Therefore, <laughs> therefore, do you know what therefore means? Go back and listen to what was just said. I said the old covenant had a voice at one time, but the cross rendered it obsolete. Therefore, let's move on now. Let's pull this thing into a different gear. When guilt and shame and fear and condemnations and wars 
and conflict and desolation and chaos come knocking, just simply let them know that Daddy has made the war in our hearts cease to the ends of the earth. He has broken the bow, shattered the spear, and he has burned the shields with fire. Therefore, we can be still and know that he is God. We can be still and know that God's got this. How did this happen? I'm glad you asked. He here heart. That's the heart of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Daddy, I have preached myself happy this morning. I want to thank you, Father, for calling us good names. In fact, you've never called us anything but a good name. We are your royal diadem, Daddy, crown of your creation. And I want to thank you that Jesus knocked on our doors. And I want to thank you when we responded to that knock, it wasn't because of the knock itself, it was because of the voice on the other side of that door. And I said yes to that voice. And he walked into my heart. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you, Father, that what you were trying to communicate today was simply this. There is no question that there are some competing voices out there. Oh, we named them, Daddy. They all have names. But I want to thank you that Jesus said, I'm the name above all names. I want to thank you as I draw closer to that name. How do I do that? Not by working my fingers to the bone, but by being still and knowing God's got this. By being still and knowing you are God. I want to thank you, Father. I hear the words echoing in my heart right now. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. That's what you are. That's what you are. That's what you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And that revelation only comes one way. And that's by hearing the heart of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen.